I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no kata. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Well, Wakanda forever. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So Lisa Bolakaja is out today, as I was mentioning before. As is Chris Derrick, who's on script right now. Oh, there's Lisa right now. She's just joining. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> Perfect timing. Lisa came in making sure like all the problems are worked out. Listen, <laughs> listen. Y'all don't even know what's going on over here because I'm actually preparing to, to leave to go across the border again. And, um, you know, we have elections and our election mm-hmm. site is actually around the corner at the high school I used to go to. And we've been seeing a lot of um, folks from El Cajon who... Uh, put it this way, my neighborhood is like black, Latino, Filipino, Samoan, mm-hmm. and there's been some folks who aren't those things, kind of like, I'm not saying voter <laughs> intimidation, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. kind of driving through with some things, so literally my ride down to TJ, that I'm going to stay down for the next week, um, showed up, so he's going to hang out outside with our friends, and we were. I was just talking, to start, sorry for being late, I was talking to some neighbors who were kind of concerned about walking literally walking across the street to the high school and you know just a lot of people are just very fearful and a lot of people who have been acting out of pocket Mm -hmm. and i have friends who live in hillcrest hillcrest and if you don't know anything about san diego hillcrest is our gay neighborhood that i used to live in and i loved it but it got too expensive (laughs) but um so you know just kind of communicating with people and and trying to give contingency plans if things go south so apology it's just trying to like pack up and be Mm -hmm. ready in case Lisa, the revolution happens. I grew up in El Cajon. Listen. <laughs> Listen. That's so wild. So it's been a long time. Wait, Jason, are you a San Diego native? Uh, yeah, I was born in San Diego, but we were. I grew up basically between El Cajon and Ensenada. I had like family. Yes. Yes, that's that's our situation. Like we have really? friends who um also have friends who my friend they're black and Kumeyaay, so we have. Uh, huge native population so we're just making plans in case we need to run so it's like do i go to the border or do i go to the res like what are, what are we doing so you know this is the first time in the history that we've actually had to deal with something like that in this country i mean bullshit's always been there but now it's very blatant and i'm just really concerned about my friends especially my friends who are living in hillcrest and you know you know anyway i'm here and i'm so excited yes 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 <laughs> well we, we it, it, it actually all worked out fine uh, lisa because we started, we went about three or four minutes in, and then we had some technical issues, so we oh, no. restarted. Oh, no. Is it is the Wi-Fi? Started, is the yeah, Wi-Fi yeah, we, we just had a connection thing between myself. Oh, okay. So, okay. So we have Case Pena. I, I can never say it. My Spanish is awful. Okay. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's Jamari Kirkwood and JC Zepeda. 
I'm sure I killed that too. But, no, no, that was good. No, you're, yeah. Well, you know, it. you know, my Puerto Rican background. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stacey, I love that your pronouns are already right there and the thing. You know, it's like, hey, you hang around folks, and I just be asking, like, and tell me. So I trying you know? to standardize it. You yes, know? Mm-hmm. yes, yes. So today, um, I'll reset this up again. So as you guys know, a few weeks ago, we did an episode where we talked to three male writers, emerging male writers. Now, the next week, we did three black female writers. Now we're doing um, uh, trans and non-binary writers, you know, people of color, which I thought was brilliant. And, um, and the interesting thing, I reached out to my girl, Case Pena, who's one of my favorite writers out, directors. She's out there killing the game. Got a new movie mm. that's about to blow up. Y'all need to support that shit. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> support that shit. I'm telling you, she's Yes, watch. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I promise yes, ma'am. You. Um, and so, um, really, really, really wanted to have her on. We've been talking at least two years, huh, Case? We've been talking about having you on the show. So, yeah, so it all worked out fine. Timing is everything, right? And so, um, and then AC and Shamari listened to the show. So they both reached out to me after hearing the other episodes because we had mentioned a comment. Somebody asked a question about how to include non-binary and trans writers in, mm-hmm. into the things. Remember, we, we said, now, here's things that we would do. But let's have some people who understand this really right. talk about this. Right. So I want to make mm-hmm. sure that we get, you know, um, some writers on who can really tell them from their point of view. Because if we don't really know, we're just guessing. And right. that's not, that's not. Can I just preface this right now before we get started? Um, mm-hmm. Because I've been having these conversations with people online. Because, you know, I have my aliases and things like that. So, you know, I'd be having my, but because of certain shows that have come out that have gotten popular that have been exposing people for example mm-hmm. pose mm-hmm. and lately um the show that i binged like last week and i'm in love with it even though i know probably it has problems that i'm just totally pretending like i don't see because i just want to have something to love this summer and um <laughs> it's uh p valley mm-hmm. which has been interesting and been bringing up a lot of interesting conversations especially in queer uh, people of color spaces in terms of people talking about things that they've never talked about before, because the way P-Valley presents certain characters, um, they present them in a way as the norm, and they don't react to these characters the way that other writers would probably right. write these characters or people are looking them as being the other, whereas they seem to be more incorporated. Mm-hmm. And as we get more and more shows, like I'm thinking of, what's that show you love? It's called Billions. Mm-hmm. They have one of the non-binary characters on there. So we're seeing a lot more um, writers uh, presenting um, characters that people have never seen before. And we're kind of in this like liminal space where we're not sure how to address because people get scared. They don't want to offend. They, they're still learning. And these are the good people. I'm just talking about the good people who are really actively trying to, to be inclusive and really just broadening their horizons. So I just think it's really great to have all three of you on here because since you know everybody who's doing the right thing who who follow the rules and kind of try to stay home as much as possible when they can um they're really having to sit with some images and characters and storyline narratives that they've never seen before and find themselves liking them and trying to um navigate those spaces so that's all i want to say awesome so if you guys are grown let's go ahead and get into the show so let's start with you case um Let's let's tell them your story and go ahead and just mention your, your pronouns so that people know, you know, as we go forward live, you know, right. how, how they should relate to you. I mean, since we're keeping it real. Keep it 100, girl. 
I'm afraid to talk because the camera froze the last time. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh no. Now I'm kind of like apprehensive. Like, shit, what? I think it was on my end case. I had, you know, sometimes you have several different, um, I don't know what they call them, things you could turn on. I had it on the wrong one. It was my end. It was not okay. you. Please um, do yourself. Okay. So my name is Case Benya. Um, I was born in New York City. My parents are from the Dominican Republic. I went to film school in New York, City College of New York, which is, people call it CCNY. If you're, if you're from New York City, you mm-hmm. know what CCNY is. Um, I worked in the business, had to get a job, and I, I felt blessed. I started working in the business when I was a junior in film school. Mm-hmm. I started PA, and I was PA for some big people, like I was, on sets for like Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese and stuff like that. So I got to experience working on huge sets mm-hmm. while still in film school. <clears throat> and I consider myself blessed because um, that was kind of like my part-time job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my other um, fellow students, we all, you know, you're in college, you're struggling, you need to get that little money on the side. Yeah. And a lot of them worked in supermarkets or like a pharmacy and I got to work on sets. And so mm-hmm. like that way I felt blessed. And so when I graduated, always knowing that I wanted to write and direct, and also knowing no one's going to hire you straight out of film school. Mm-hmm. Well, most people don't get hired straight out of film school. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. a podcast for another day. Exactly. And, um, so I, I continued working. And so I was already, I had like one leg in the business and I just stayed there. Why not? You know, I, I was around at least the thing that I loved. Mm-hmm. And, and it, um, Working on sets um, helped me a great deal because coming from New York, there's not a lot of television writing in New York City. Okay? There's a lot of independent filmmaking. And when working on sets and learning about, like, just learning a lot of technical things like cameras and lenses and lighting, that helps you as an independent filmmaker. It helps you a lot. When you're a television director, um, you don't need to be as technical because you have the crew to lean on and you're a guest director so you can't really come with like your big ideas like i want to get a shot like this like that you have to conform to what the television uh what the what the rules are for that television show right so but when you're an independent filmmaker making a feature with fifty thousand dollars right and having to wear 10 15 hats All that knowledge, all that technical knowledge about lighting and da da da, and all that stuff really comes into play, and it's it's I used it to my advantage. Um, I've been, you know, I've been accepted into some of the most prestigious fellowships in the industry, um, starting with the Office Screenwriting Lab, which helped me get into the Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. I um, also the Latino Lens Directing Program, the Ryan Murphy Television Directing Program. I was in. Project Involved with Film Independent Project yeah. Involved, which is one of the huge fellowships too. And I told you, I was out there killing it. I told you. <laughs> you know, I have great managers. My managers represent some huge people. I kind of question why they manage me because I'm like not making them money, but they're putting me out there. And I'm like, you represent these showrunners that are making you a lot of money. And I don't make you a dime. They believe in me clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm signing with Gersh. And so like a lot of people are excited about me. I'm still not there yet, but it's 
it's long winded road, you know, this filmmaking thing. And like I was saying earlier, you know, I don't have someone um, in the business from my family who came before me. Like I don't have a dad or an uncle or granddad. Right. right. I'm the first one in my family. I worked, I've had to figure out this labyrinth with, you know, covers, you know, oh, my eyes have been covered, like learning and tripping and falling and scraping my knees and getting up because I had, I've had no one hold my hand right. throughout this. The way I've seen other people have had me. Um, and so, yeah. So it's, it's been a long, long road for me, but I'm getting there. I'm, well, hey, hey, Case, weren't you recently stopped on the show? Didn't you get stopped on something? No, I was in a mini room. Oh, that's what so, it was. Okay. It was a mini room, and it was came kind of really close. Um, the way it was the way the showrunner um, had that room set up, and I've heard stories about other mini rooms that didn't. I, I feel like we closer to what a real room feels like sure. than other mini rooms. Okay, awesome. Let's jump to you, JC. Cool. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Um, I'm JC. I use they and them pronouns. Um, I'm originally, I'm from San Diego, El Cajon, as I mentioned just mm. before. Uh, but I, I grew up also part-time in Mexico, and then family moved us out to Vegas and Phoenix, and I went to school in Tucson, had an East Coast run in New York and Miami, and now I'm back in Southern California for forever. Mm. Um, <laughs> don't want to go anywhere else, uh, to be honest. But yeah, I was actually... Um, a flight attendant for the past six years up until COVID um, and doing acting stuff um, is how I got my start here in the industry. Um, I actually kind of a full circle moment. I was in pilot school last election yeah. and I was like a B minus pilot. I was a good pilot, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like I was B minus cause I like didn't really love it. My mom is a pilot and she's an amazing, incredible pilot woman, strong Latina, like great example for me in my life. And so she wanted me to try it and I was a little lost. So I'm like, okay, sure. Like this sounds like a good thing for me to do. And it turned out just not being for me. I felt super fortunate. I did enjoy the challenge, but like, what I realized is like, man, if I can develop all my time and energy into something, why not do the thing that I actually want to do? Right. So, um, mm -hmm. so I moved out to LA and was like, all right, here we go. And uh, similar to Case, like I, yeah, no one's, no one in my family is in the creative industry at all. Mm -hmm. um, business, military, pilots, like, um, you know, I try to explain some of these like big creative, like concepts and themes and things, <laughs> different stories to them. And they're just like, um, who's in it? Like, you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm very much like, uh, yeah, on my own journey right now. And, um, the writing stuff for me, I'm a total, total baby. So like, thank you first and foremost for like having me. And then also for giving us this platform to talk about some of these things, because just on the acting side alone, since I've been here, I, I came here and immediately was, uh, going out for non-binary roles, trans roles. Oh, and, um, mm -hmm. that's mostly what I'm, uh, being auditioned for right now. And even just a few weeks ago, there's just been so much, almost like problematic things that have come up and like the breakdowns oh, okay. and stuff mm -hmm. to the point where I like really I'm like can I reach out to CSA and like build like a pronoun <laughs> policy <laughs> for them because um because yeah, yeah we're, we're gonna get into yeah. that for sure yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah because I I I got this audition and it was for a trans man 
And, you know, I, I guess I have a more traditional male figure, um, uh, you know, sex-wise. And so my, I was admitted for it. And then I, I did the role as as it was written. But I was having a hard time because a lot of the conversation was talking about, like, breast binding and stuff. And I'm like, that's not really what my anatomy is. Right. Um, so I'm like, should I change it to be, like, instead of breast binding, should I talk about tucking? I don't know. Yeah. 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 But I didn't. I, I didn't want to like you know offend the writers and the whole thing. You got to book the room, so I just did it as it was. And but it was hard because I'm like, mm-hmm. who do I talk to about this? Mm-hmm. Like, do I talk to casting? Do I talk to my agent? I ended up talking to some casting people and my acting coach here, and uh, we decided to just go with how it was written. But like, yeah, I just think that we have a long way to go, and it's not as hard and as divisive as like people think it is. I think, I think it can be like a really smooth, easy thing as long as we're like educated on it and like are willing to have these conversations. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what this was about. Lisa and I were talking about this. We wanted to have, you know, a conversation. So we're like, let's bring on, you know, some real writers who are living this, you know, this, this way right now who can, who can talk about what they're going through. You know, yeah. so think, thanks. You know, I'm sure you got a dozen of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Shamari, Co- Shamari Cokewood? Okay, so I like to say I'm from that land of ice and snow. I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, let's go to the part Jeez of Wisconsin. Head. <laughs> oh, <everyone says> that. <laughs> I'm from the I'm from the southeast part. So I'm okay. I'm from okay. Kenosha, Wisconsin. Gotcha. Which my my lovely hometown being the news a while back (laughs) but like i'm from there it's smack dab between milwaukee and chicago and growing up it was very interesting because there is little to nothing that really goes down usually in kenosha and in wisconsin in general like you got (laughs) milwaukee where yeah you got some theater and stuff Mm -hmm. and you have chicago that's chicago love chicago my dad's from there south side all the way and it's this thing where (laughs) i was constantly looking out and trying to find things to fill the space around me so i told a lot of stories to myself i i got in trouble once with a teacher because they were saying oh tell us what you did for for uh winter break and i was like okay so my family went down to chinatown but we got in trouble with the triad you know and so i just like told this whole thing and the teacher was like did that did that happen and i'm like nah but it's better than what i actually did (laughs) and it ended up for me being this thing where from a young age i kind of always knew i wanted to be a storyteller Mm -hmm. but i didn't know how I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Like at one point I was like, ah, oh, I'm about to, I'm gonna be a Power Ranger, you know, act. So I did gymnastics and martial arts. And I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna be a historian. I'm gonna look at the history of people mm-hmm. or a more or a coroner. Look at the what happened to the body, that bodily history. And no matter what was happening to me along my path through school, I was always going to the narrative of what was going on, whether it was history or science or, you know, just your usual literature. Until it ended up finding my way down in Savannah, Georgia, where I went to school at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm. And I initially went for animation and then was told, we don't do that storytelling here. So I went to sequential (laughs) art, which was comics. Mm. And I was doing all that and I was learning from there, which is where I got a lot of an understanding of visual storytelling because you're just drawing. But then my teacher took me aside and was like, Shamari, you could be a great artist. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. But you got no talent. <laughs> wow, wow. He, he, was, he was real with me. He was like, you can tell a mean story better than a lot of these folks, 
but you don't have talent for this drawing thing. You need to like really like go in, knock out a bunch of sketchbooks, put in that work, and cut out like everything else. And I'm gonna be real, keep it a hundred. Keep it a hundred. I, I was a sophomore in college, far from home, and I went, I don't wanna be in my my dorm drawing <laughs> in life having fun. Mm-hmm. And it was that summer that I took my first traumatic writing class where I learned to write a script. I wrote a play, turned that play into a, a film script. And then from there, I was like, you know, maybe just sticking to writing is what I should be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got my degree in dramatic writing and I graduated last May. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And like Case and JC, I have no family members in the industry. This is entirely a, a me decision. Mm-hmm. And so far, I think I've been really blessed because I was graduating around the time when we had and still have all these protests happening because of the killings that are going on. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these initiatives that emerged for black writers and me doing that Twitter hustle, as my partner likes to call it. I mm-hmm. saw a few of those and I was like, I have this feature script I finished writing. I'm just going to take it in there because if nothing else, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to get notes and I'm going to learn what I don't even know. Right. And from one of those, the Support Black Creatives Initiative, I went, I applied for it, I got in, and it wasn't until about August that they finally matched us with some people. And one of my people was the writer director, Ian McDonald, great dude, who read my film. And he was like, this is great. I, I love it. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day, it felt like the next day, might have been the next week, he said, so I was talking about it with my manager, actually, and they want to meet with you. And I'm like, what? Nice. Okay. And then he said, and I was working that day, because I worked in a call center briefly doing um, surveys and things, some political surveys and stuff. And then I saw the email get updated with, actually make that two managers. Nice. And so then I met with them. Got signed with them over at Industry Entertainment, Andrew and Steven, my guys. And then that's what's been happening with the film and TV, but in terms of just work. And that's our, a, Shamari, sorry, that's a feature? Um, it was they, a fe- they represent you for both, TV and film? TV and film. Okay. They're actually having me right now adapt the feature into a TV pilot because they're like, a note I got a lot from people was they love the world so much, they just people were saying, oh, this was a TV show. Got it. And so we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But beyond TV and film, that same summer, I was applying for just everything under the sun. And it's why I'm now currently writing on a, a video game. It's this mobile game being developed in China. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then come January, I'm going to be doing this podcasting apprenticeship with the good people at Dustlight who did the Michelle Obama podcast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been up to <laughs> since graduation. It been busy <laughs> good good mm-hmm. see sometimes you got to utilize the internet right you know i think i think it's huge i mean a lot of my mentees i'm always getting on them about you know finding those initiatives and you know somebody so many executive producers and showrunners and co-eps are like hey i'll read your script y'all need to be on that shit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean you only have one chance <laughs> you know you might as well take it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um so let's get into some of this uh, I love you. You brought it up yourself, JC, um, which I'm glad. Um, I want to talk about what are some of the things that bother you guys? And I'm, I don't mean to call you guys, so forgive me. I'm just generalizing. So just want to know 
Um, what are the things that bother you that you see in scripts? And, and how should it be? So here's, here's a perfect example. So, JC, you sent me your, your treatment, your outline, your rep, right? Mm-hmm. So I was brought in to help um, a, a really big um, showrunner friend of mine. And it was on this topic. They brought the gay guy. And I'm like, what do I know about this? They <laughs> <laughs> had a table reading of it. And I listened. And the writer, who was a straight, cis, white woman, wrote this script. So she didn't want to offend anybody. So every character, she just said, she, you know, if they were straight, she would say, she, what is it? She... Why am I forgetting? What all the if they're cis, they would be yes. she, her pronouns? She, her. Forget okay. it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And if it was a male, it was he. And the problem I had was she had one non-binary character and one trans character. And so what I felt like, and just this, this is me mm-hmm. asking you, and I also want to know what you guys think. So I told her, she had every character she put in parentheses, she, her, or he, he, him, or whatever. I felt like it took, it took the the light off of the people who were by, by saying everybody is mm. he, she or blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, just the people who are, who want to be called the pronouns. I felt like you took the weight away from them. I've forgotten who was now because you gave everybody that. Mm. And Interesting. So, and that, that was my perspective sitting there reading going, wait a minute. Wait, I forgot who was trans. Oh, it was that person because she named every single character. They had their own little parentheses of she, her, or whatever. So I felt like if it was me, I would have only said the trans character was was she, etc., and then the bin- non-binary character was they and them. I only would have done them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, for me, that's. So I'm curious to know from your point of view, what would you prefer? Because it can get lost, in my opinion. Well, I, I'm, I think I'm more on the everybody gets their pronouns listed page, um, especially once you start mixing in gender variant folks. Mm-hmm. It's just I feel that even cis people who have their pronouns on in the Zoom call or on their email signatures, even if they are cis, it's like I feel like cool. Like uh, we're on the same page here. I feel seen by the fact that like pronouns are something that you are like considering and concerned about and like able to empathize with other mm-hmm. pronoun folks with too. Mm-hmm. So when I see it in a script, I feel like it just really clarifies how someone would be addressed throughout the whole entire story. And it's not, it's not assumed. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just not okay. assumed, exactly. Okay. And I mean, granted, like she, her, hey, he, him pronouns have been just the standard. And that's like what we've known since colonialism. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I like see like why like mad men wouldn't do something like that maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think from here on forward, like we already have character descriptions, right? It'll be like, Shirley, God parentheses, she, her early thirties. Um, uh, I don't know, stout or whatever. (laughs) 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 And so like, it, it already exists in this type of way where it's just, you're just adding another descriptor to it. And, um, and I think, so part of why I reached out was in the previous episode with the, with the guys, I think y'all handled it really well. I really enjoyed the scene, like how, 
you got to just be like, hey, like just address them how they want to be addressed. But it's, you know, it got confusing with the they, them. And what if they sure. transition from this to this? And it's like, if you automatically know that this person just goes by these set of pronouns, then just call them by that, you know? Right. And it's like, it's not going right. to be confusing throughout the rest of the script. Mm-hmm. Like I have a character in my feature named Monty and they use they, them pronouns. And like, whenever I'm writing about Monty, they're calling Monty and action line or they them right, you know and then right, you right. do have yeah it is a little confusing in some ways because the introduction to they them um, as a concept like we use they and them in the singular form all the time we just yes. don't realize it and um, and that's oh, like one of the let me ask you like, this yeah do you capitalize the they and them if you use it in the descriptions or the actions. Well, you wouldn't do that to she, her, or he, okay. him. Okay, I'm just, just curious. Yeah. Okay. Unless, you know, it's the start of the sentence or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because cause they and them, like, pronouns um, are not our names, you know? Like, I don't say, like, I'm, I go by they, them, or I, you know, I just, I use they, them pronouns. It's, mm-hmm. it's just another descriptor um, and way to address me. Um, but what was I saying about the story? Well, I don't know. I just feel like it, it, for me, yeah, like that's definitely like the clarifying way to like go about the story and like okay. continue to address the folks. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's super, super mm-hmm. important, and that's that's how I want to get the other outside perspective. <clears throat> I think that I'm one of those people like uh, I, I I hate repetition in scripts, mm-hmm. which is why I'm somebody who can't watch the news. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I can't stand to have every ten minutes the same thing repeated. <clears throat> it's like. I'm one of those people, I spend a lot of time when I'm giving somebody notes on scripts, correcting the re- the re- repetitiveness in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, interior, JC's bedroom. JC's in his bedroom doing whatever. I'm like, no, bitch, you already said it. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. It's like right. little, little stuff like that drives me bananas, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes maybe, maybe those pronouns would annoy me. Maybe that's what it was. Too many she's, too many he's, too many they's, whatever. It starts to work my nerves. You know, uh-huh. maybe, maybe that was my... Now I'm, now I'm taking a step back and looking at what probably was really bothering mm-hmm. It probably was the repetitiveness of it and yeah. not, not the accuracy of what you mm-hmm. prefer it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get how that would be annoying to just yeah. read, like, like if it's every paragraph that every character is being introduced. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's, when we're telling this particularly like trans stories and non-binary stories, I think it is important to have those clarifiers right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Case? Well, um, yeah. T- to your point, the repetitiveness, I think, is something that would bother me, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also um, it's something that at some point it kicks you out of the story and mm-hmm. as a writer you don't ever want to give your reader right. a reason like oh they, okay and let me get right. back into the story and then like right. well, if you're doing that throughout an entire 50 page script you know assuming that there's a one hour drama it it's a lot of interruptions you just want to give somebody something to read from beginning to end mm-hmm. having said that with a trans character and I'm going to speak specific to trans sure. because non-binary is his own thing and I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. because that's not who I am mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to clarify from the beginning, from the get-go. Transgender man, transgender woman, their pronouns, and then let's just leave it at that and let's just now tell the story. Right. Um, there's a lot of learning to do on, on, every, on both sides of the equation, yeah. on every side of the equations, you know? So, like, um, not long ago, people were okay with saying 
my preferred pronouns are this. Mm. Okay, I I was a witness to that um, era, which was maybe a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now y'all got to keep up. Okay. Right? This was like this was like I'm talking a long time ago, like six weeks ago. And now, and now people in my community are like, no, it's not your preferred pronouns. Is your pronouns, period. So, like, okay, now I, as a trans woman, I'm having to, like, um, get with the game. Like, right, you know, make right. sure that I'm <laughs> up to speed. Right. Because I was saying right. my preferred pronouns, and it's like, now I say my pronouns. But if I'm still learning, and I'm a transgender woman, right. well, you know, a cisgender person who's not living our experience, you know, like, we cannot get too angry at cisgender people who do not know. Because we're still learning and we're, we're still in the midst of defining all of these things. Um, so there's one thing that I that bothers me in scripts and like and people telling our stories is there's a lot of things that bothers me with cisgender people telling stories of trans people mm-hmm. because you guys have told every story. Like, let us tell our story. Yes. Like, can we have one yes. in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And until... The game is not a little more level, you know, where you see trans people telling cisgender stories, mm-hmm. then you guys can come back and start telling Because now it's not about power. It's like right. anybody can tell anybody's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So far too many people, far too many cisgender people are wanting to cash in on the popularity of trans people. Right. And and a lot of people treat us as like the, this thing that we just arrived the other day. And <laughs> the people have been around since people have been around. Right. As far as you can go back to humanity, trans people have been around. We were, maybe we were called something else. Maybe there was a time when you we don't talk about that. Right. Whatever, but we've been around, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've and I'm going to purposely misgender as an example. I've had, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people, cisgender people, who are writing a transgender female. And their description goes something like this. You know, because this transgender woman, he has a, a little brother. <laughs> and, you know, and, and his parents don't accept him, but you but you know, he's a transgender woman oh. and he's very female. Right. And like using all these male pronouns and I'm like in my head, I'm already disconnected from the conversation. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm going, this is why you shouldn't be writing our stories. And what bothers me is that that person has far more of a chance of telling my story wow. than I as a transgender woman telling Tell my girl. story. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping I'm That's really real. that I'm really hoping that this thing gets listened to by a lot of people because we need to bring this to an end. Right. Okay. I've gone to meetings with huge executives where they're so proud to tell me, a transgender woman, that they have this book that they're adapting into a television show about a transgender character. And the person adapting the book is a cisgender person. And they're telling me this. I'm like, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Hire me to write that shit. Yes. Okay. But you can't sit yeah. in a meeting. So yeah. you have to like, oh. yeah. I, yeah. I'm so happy you're paying attention to us. Like, yeah. you have to play the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's a lot of, there's still, even though there's a lot of willingness, there's still a lot of issues. 
I think, can, can I just yeah. interrupt for a quick of second? Of course. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say this, just piggybacking off of that one little thing about the book. I'm brought in to fix a lot of projects, right? And one of them is now we have a white, straight, cis writer who wrote this thing. It's about black people. <laughs> can you come in and just give us a pass? Right? That's what I get. So what I've learned to do is go, okay, I understand they want to keep this writer on board because he's also doing this movie and this thing, right? And I'll go, okay, how can I bring this in so that I'm going to be okay writing this thing? So I'll go this way. I'll say, okay, yeah, I'll say, I'll I'll take a look at it. I'll say, but I'm probably going to come at it from a slightly different angle. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I am a black guy from the hood, uh, ex-punk rock dude, you know, whatever. I was like, I'm, the, I'm an underdog. So this is an under- underdog story. But if it were, here's what I would do. I would focus on the little girl because she the blah, 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 blah. You know, and I would tell them the story mm-hmm. back to them of why I would write it, right? And, and the point of view that I would give it. And then that helps them then understand how I'm going to write it from my perspective, right? So instead of, I'm not talking to you, Case, I'm generalizing to everybody, by the way, so that you walk into a meeting and somebody goes, hey, we have this book. You go, ooh, let me take that book and make it what we would do. Mm-hmm. Make it what I would do. You know what I mean? That's how you come back at them. It is be like, so, some, some, so what? Some straight people wrote this thing. Let me, let me give it a two, 2021 version of what a trans woman would do with the script. You feel me? That's what, you, that's what they're looking for. That's why they're showing it to you. Mm-hmm. Now it's your job to go, okay, y'all going to play it like that? Let me play it back with you and show you what I could do with it. You know what I mean? So without, find without, your... Without taking your shoe off and throwing without it at them. Without taking your shoe off. <laughs> yeah, just, just give them back what I would do with it. Let, uh-huh. let me go home and read it for two weeks. Let me come back with a whole nother style. And I'll be like, look, I know, I know this is about this and this and this. But here's my perspective from 2021. Yeah, here's a take you know I mean? something you might exactly. want to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I always do. I give them yeah. a new spin from an underdog point of view. You know, I think I think that's amazing. I'm definitely taking that with me. You know, like mm-hmm. that's a piece of, of information that I have now at my disposal. Mm, specifically, and I know you weren't talking. I know you're talking. No, I was generalizing. Everyone. Please, but like in my in my particular situation with this. Um, with this very specific meeting, they weren't offering me a pass. They were just mentioning, like okay. they were giving themselves a pat on the back, like, hey, right. right, we see mm-hmm. you. Look yeah, what we're right, doing." Right, right. But it's mm-hmm. a white cisgender person right. reading it. Okay. They weren't saying. I thought you said they wrote the book. I didn't know you said there was a project. Forgive me. Forgive me. Yeah, and they they were they were basing they were adapting a book to a to, to okay. a television show, and the okay. person they felt that was the best person is a cisgender person. And it's a trans story, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but they never said, "Case, would you like to look at it? Would right. you consider maybe coming in?" So they were just celebrating their own selves. Okay. Right. And I never had a chance to throw that thing in there <laughs> that you say that I now will. To yeah. Hilliard's point, yeah. though, is that an appropriate time to start questioning them about, like, oh, so so who's writing it, and like, what is their take on it, and how are they representing the the trans? You know, just like out of genuine curiosity, yeah. you know, or does that come off as too abrasive? I, I think that might be a little abrasive, but I wonder if it might be more so. Um, um, usually they know what the story is going to be. 
So usually they're excited to tell you, oh, we're, the next project mm-hmm. we're going to do is based on this book. Because at some point, you, you know, Case, you go to these meetings and they're like this. They're like, oh, so here's what's on our slate. We're doing this TV show, this TV show, this year. Oh, and we have this book, right? Oh, we're going to adapt it into this blah, 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 blah. So I go, it's about this beautiful transgender story where blah, 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 blah. And you sit there and you listen. And I would listen to that and I go, oh, oh, cool. oh, who's the writer on that? And they'll go, such and such. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's a straight guy, right? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, oh. I'd be like, and I would say, well, look, if he needs help to get a second idea, I'll be happy to help him. That's mm-hmm. how I would come at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Instead of, I need to take it over, I'm like, bring me in. Yeah. See, my thing is, we all want to be the only one doing it. We want to be like, fuck you, let me just do it. I'm like, how can I come on board, get in there, and take it over? They don't know I'm going to take it over, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show them that they need me, right? I'm, I'm going I'm to play, I'm gonna play mm-hmm. the game. And then all of a sudden, it's going to realize that I was the one who was doing most of the shit anyway. You know what I mean? They couldn't have done it without you. Like I always tell writers, don't just work in development with a, with a producer. Work in development with them so that they need you. So that when you get to the set and they go off to shoot, guess who they're going to want on the set? You. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how you avoid that. You create yeah. your own self-value where it's like, mm-hmm. man, they gave us some great, you know what, let's call that person now mm-hmm. for our next thing so you're on their radar. But you know what's interesting is I think a lot of times people who are, are creating new content like the big wigs um i think they're under mesta- underestimating the audience now because the people are a lot more quicker like when new projects come out that has to do with certain communities a lot of people are googling shit a lot of people are like well mm-hmm. who's writing this um who's the you know it's kind of like people are checking to see like well who's telling the story like to give you an example there was something that i saw that came down on tumblr it's a new um Native project. It's like an anime show, and it's mm-hmm. something. About, it's some. Oh, I can't. I think it's called American Spirit thing. It's like these, these, these animals have like their native spirit animal things. And the first thing, of course, you know me. My first thing was like, whoa! Stop! 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 Start to looking. Well, who's doing it? And so, come to mm-hmm. find out, there's a bunch of native people who are creating and who are putting together who are doing these things. Because I was ready to start dragging. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Got the I, truck and everything. I was like, okay. I was about to rally the way the flag, like the bat signal is about to go out. Like, hold on, what's going on? What's writing this? But the thing was, people started doing their homework and they started doing their advertising and letting people know ahead of time when they presented the project. And just so you know, we've got like these, the people who are part of this, who are putting it together. So I feel like now people are starting to realize they need to start actually getting the people that they're writing about involved from the jump, whether they're writing the projects, directing it, because it is so easy now to, to get dragged for filth before the project even gets off the ground now. Cause I said, like I said, people are smarter and wiser. And honestly, people want to see stuff from people that they're talking about. Like, honestly, when new stuff comes out, it is hard for me to watch TV now. It is hard to get mm-hmm. me to go watch film. Like before I would go, oh yeah, I'm going to watch it. My time is too precious now. Hey, and there's Lisa, too much, I think too your much. earrings are slapping against your- um... Oh, sorry, let me take my earrings off. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Black folks can't take them nowhere. See, (laughs) (laughs) every time she moves, it's like click, 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 click. Sorry, and I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my native earrings anyway, my Choctaw earring, and they're the ones that got the bullets on them. 
They got mm-hmm. the little bullet, the actual bullets on them, the bullet shell casings on there. So I'm just ready for anything to pop off. So it's like, you might have heard the bullets. They have these little bullet God. things on the bottom of them, the really? bullet shells. But what I'm saying is like, it's, it's very hard. For example, I'll give you P-Valley as an example. I've been hearing stuff about it. And of course, my first thought is, okay, here we go. This is a knockoff players club. Is this, oh, they got like some um, genderqueer or non-binary gender fluid character. Mm-hmm. Okay, is this just tokenism? Is this just, all right, Pose has been up. A couple new shows are coming out. Yeah, we're going to throw in some stuff. And like, literally, I was like, uh, you know what? I'm not even interested. And then I started seeing black women talking about it. And my trust factor is a little bit higher with black women <laughs> because if black women are championing things because their their blackness radar and their bullshit detectors a little bit higher than some folks. And I kept saying like, why are these black women? And I said, well, let me just go through like some of the social media and let's see with the characters. And then came to find out that the writer is someone I was familiar with, but I was familiar with her work um, through plays, playwriting. Right. And then I was like, you know what? Let my broke ass go in here and get my little free star. <laughs> so it's like, let me wait until, cause I think it, it premiered in, Ju- in July. And so let me just wait mm-hmm. till all the episodes drop and I'm just going to binge the whole thing for my free thing. It's like the best thing that I've enjoyed so far this summer. Mm. And it was mainly because people who move in those circles, people who are really championing new voices, who are really interested in seeing something different. And I'm saying in terms of just black women, um, a black woman creator, a black woman who's from the South. Like when I tell, when I try to describe P Valley, it's like if Zora Neale Hurston wrote Players Club, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and, now and I want to like, watch it. You know, and it's like, <laughs> because it's like, it's someone who adores language and black African American vernacular English anyway. It's someone who's literally from the South, who knows the nuances, who's not afraid to show us things that from the outside might look like caricatures or stereotypes or like, oh my God, why it's gotta be a bunch of people in the strip club? Like, why can't we have like highbrow talented lawyers and stuff like that? And you know me, Hilliard. <laughs> I love things that are off the beaten path. Right. I like, like I tell people all the time, as problematic as it is, the Mac is one of my favorite all time. Like I can quote <laughs> from the Mac, 70s black exploitation. So I just thought, you know what? Just, just go in and just be open to it. And and I binged that thing in like two days and I had to get my sister involved. I said, you got to watch this girl. And she, she it took her a minute to like it because she could not get over the language. Cause she's like, they sound like slaves. I mean, like, <laughs> I, said, I said, girl, that's Mississippi Delta. That's where our people are from. She's like, I can't get into it. But the point being, it was like, it wasn't until people who are from that world, who were telling that story that are connected to it, that I was even interested because had that show been put out by some cisgendered white folks, I'm going to tell you right now, it, it would have been way different. There would have been some nuances and some details and things that would have been missing. It would have toppled over to caricature and stereotypes and just yeah. trash TV. But because it came from a place of an authentic voice, and I think that's the key here, is the authenticity of the person telling the story. And I think there's power right now in terms of when people present projects like, this is a new thing that's about to come out. People are doing their homework. Okay, well, who's putting this out? What's the source material? Mm-hmm. Who's involved with the casting? Who's involved with writing it? Who is involved with the production? What's their track record? 
you know, have they said some bullshit on TV? Type in their name. Have they said the word nigger? No, I'm just saying. Just like, have they said some shit? Have they been trans- Literally, have they been transphobic? Have they said some things that have been questionable? Have they had some, pr- you know, I think we're just smarter. And I think Hollywood's going to have to get hip to that and be like, it's not a pat on the back anymore to make you feel special like you've done something because we're, got- we're adapting the source material with trans mm-hmm. characters and non-binary, but it's still the same old, same old behind the scenes putting it out. And it's like, yeah. you know what? I'm not paying for that no more. And I'm going to tell you to your face on social media thank you no thank you <laughs> oh yeah i to hop on that like there's that show that came out recently i'm gonna say it by name because it deserves to be said by name like grand army about mm-hmm. that school high school in brooklyn mm-hmm. and i remember a few months earlier before it dropped uh wh- one of the writers on there a woman was talking about how her and two other writers had to just leave because it was show run by this white lady who just, Mm -hmm. as they put it, had a full-on Karen moment because the black lady was changing up her hair in the writer's room. (laughs) And it just had an issue about that. And so that all happens, you know, Grand Army comes out. And I swear, every single time that show got brought up on its hashtag or whatever, black woman was in those mentions when someone was saying something good, being like... (laughs) Now, I'm not going to make you stop watching, but have you known this? And they'll tell right. somebody. Right. And at least maybe 70% of the time, that person's done. They're like, oh, I didn't know. Guess I'm not watching that anymore. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. people will campaign like to end your shit. Right. And you're going to show out. They're going to be like, no, we're not giving you coins. We're not going to let you make more coin. Right. In terms of this. <laughs> right. And... It really does come down to wanting that authenticity mm-hmm. and that because they want to trust people. Like I was to not to not to be a fangirl or, or nothing, but I remember Hillary Hilliard and you on the podcast saying a while a long time ago about fangirl, the, fangirl. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> saying the thing that you want to do so early in the script is you want to let the reader know they're in trustworthy hands. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the reader. It's like, it's audiences at this point, And it's not just the story, but it's people who are behind there. Mm-hmm. Cause no one, everyone has a story of a show or a thing they got invested in where at some point a turn happened and, the, and they were like, damn, they really just did me dirty. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember watching black lightning, for example. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that show. It, it's fun, but <laughs> the lesbian storyline for one of the characters was not handled the best. She wasn't given that weight that a main character, like the other main characters, had for their romantic lives. Right, right. And so it was that moment where I was like, damn, Black Lightning, right. I was I was here. I was right. hoping for you. Right. And now I'm going to do this. Right. And that goes into with what JC was saying, where it's like, with these stories about trans characters and non-binary characters and genderqueer characters and gender non-conforming and all that, all of our experiences can look similar, mm-hmm. but they're not the same. Right. And there has to be that nuance of understanding what is different within there. Right. And for me, I don't I I almost don't care as much that someone's using all the right terms because I want to know they're using the right concepts. Like, that's the teacher in me. I don't care that you memorize the Wikipedia page for transgender woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want you to understand the concepts behind what these people are feeling mm-hmm. as people. Much like if you're going to write a cisgendered woman's story, you're thinking about their experience as a woman moving through the world. Right. So if you're writing a transgender woman character, 
it's not about the term. It's about can you think about what our experience of moving through the world is and then bring that down in there. And then right. when you get real good, you're thinking and going, okay, a black cisgender woman, a white cisgender woman, they move through the world differently. Exactly. They engage exactly. with womanhood differently. Mm-hmm. So now if we have a transgender black woman, a transgender white woman, you're looking at, well, how are they moving through the worlds differently? Because now you got blackness on there mm-hmm. and transness and in being a woman. That's important. And you, that's mm-hmm. where it comes mm-hmm. down to. It's the concepts. Because right. if you're a little bit messy on the page, I'm going to be, be a bit honest and say, people are a little bit messy in real life. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, know, mm-hmm. I, know, I know folks who are like, I'm trans woman. And then they transitioned. And then they're like, you know what? I'm not just a woman. I'm not fully that. And they moved over into saying, you know, I think I'm non-binary. And they're, mm-hmm. they're shifting around because mm-hmm. experience can be so fluid in that nature. And that's where when writing them, it comes down to the concepts. Mm-hmm. Are you knowing what they're going through their head and their psychology of trying to grasp their truth mm-hmm. and express that with what tools they do have as that specific character? Right. And here's an issue that's going to be coming up a lot because just mm-hmm. in different writing circles, um, in screenwriting, also in just regular fiction writing, because I do more of the fiction writing circles too. Um, it's this idea of we people want to see themselves, but if it's told badly, sometimes they don't even want to see it at all. So it's kind of like you want to see stories that are told and... I'm just going to ask you in terms of, of the worlds that you live in and that your own truth and things like that. Do you find when you're looking at content, even when you're creating your own content, do you worry about, do you have those issues where, as a, like I said, for example, as a black woman myself who, who moves in queer spaces, who moves with a lot of non-binary people, who is aware of a lot of things, but hearing these conversations where it's like, you know, sometimes people just don't want to see stuff done if it's just done wrong. Do you... Are you guys open to, I should saying guys, are you all open to just letting people just muddle through the best they can as like other groups have been, like for example, with black characters, how it's like, okay, there's always the token and it's not just the caricature, but at least it's there. At least we can see ourselves, right. you know, and as we're growing or is it, are we at a time now where it's like, nope, you only get. You better get this shit right from the J- JC's dying this question. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I just I'm getting a lot of a lot of thoughts. It's it's such a hard question because it really goes it goes back to the whole like um the the whole like Scarlett Johansson got hired to play a trans man, right? And okay. then we go into this yeah. world of like, okay, is this story going to be more effective that more people are going to go see it see because it? they have an A-list mm-hmm. talent? Exactly. Or, or are they going to finish the movie and then they're going to be like, well, now Scarlett Johansson is going to be back to a woman. So that's what a trans person is, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, it's it goes down to visibility versus representation. Exactly. And exactly. they both are super important. And like, unfortunately, the world we live in, like if it was like a, like a, trans talent like a Laverne Cox lead or something mm-hmm. like that like less people would see it you know mm-hmm. and it's like just unfortunately mm-hmm. like the world that we are presently in so it does go back to this like trans uh, uh, this visibility versus representation thing and like one of the questions I had for you all today too 
was um, I don't know if you all watched the Disclosure documentary on Netflix. It's about the trans representation. Yes, in yes, over yes. The, like, I did see you that. know, yes. just over must the, watch. Yes, yeah, yes. incredible. You must watch it. Yes. Yeah, so much good information. But what I took away from that, it was there was many takeaways. The one that stuck, stood out to me that made me question like how I'm approaching storytelling and writing was that there was a correlation. My understanding was, my naive understanding was, okay, the more trans bodies we get on screen, the more people we get on screen, like the safer the world is going to be, the better the the better power distribution we're going to have, you know, amongst capitalism and everything. And as as it's presently occurring, it seems like the more visibility and trans visibility we have on screen, the more dangerous actually I feel like it has been for trans folks in so many ways. Like this year, we've had the most trans murders that we've had ever. And I don't know if that's a direct correlation, but my question is like, how do we get our stories to motivate change? Because it's happened. It's like, you know, Black Panther, you know, like every people are more willing to have conversations and things, but like, it's a, it's a big, big, big question. I don't even know, you know, where to start with it. But like, I come into this field because I just see like films and storytelling as just like an important part of culture and the narrative of what's happening. And so like, how do do our stories enact change and make the world stronger and safer for folks? I mean, it's more than it's beyond stories. It's, it's, it goes beyond stories. I mean, we unfortunately don't have a government that supports us. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have a government that, even if you didn't support us, if you remain neutral, that that is still, a, that's better than what's going on because this guy is practically calling that, you know, it's okay to attack mm-hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I think because we're no longer in the 70s or the 80s, I think we've come to a time where, no, you need to get me. This is me. I, you need to get our stuff right from the beginning. Exactly. There's no there's no need to go through a 10-year, 20-year curve, learning mm-hmm. curve. Like, oh, but we're at least telling them. No, I, I personally would not want to see that. I would rather see our stories get told. Um, rightfully from the very beginning and I'm okay with less people telling, watching our stuff because Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson is not playing a transgender person like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see a cisgender character or a cisgender actor play a trans character mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to do the reverse with my next film where I'm gonna cast and I already did um, one role where I'm casting transgender people to play cisgender characters why I'm doing that, I'm, that. I'm, I'm, yeah. and they these are people who yeah. you know not all trans people pass um the it's not the goal <laughs> yeah it's not yeah. the goal it, 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 i don't know if goal is the right word but it's not you know not there's reasons why yeah. all transgender people cannot pass you know mm-hmm. and it, a lot of it depends on how old you were when you started transitioning once you go through puberty as as a you know whether a man or a woman it's much harder for that person to have to reverse that right. than the person who has the privilege or the fortune the blessings of transitioning at an early age right at say at 12 that puberty is um frozen right so People that pass is not because they have this gene that they're better than others. It's because they started way earlier in their transition. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the potential to pass, mm-hmm. you know, had they started very, very young. That's number one. Um, but I do have, for me to sell 
you know, and not kick you out of the story. I have to get transgender people that pass to place as gender roles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not because I have an inclination, like I have a preference or a privilege that I'm celebrating. Right. But I have maybe like three roles where I'm hiring transgender characters to place as gender um, of transgender actors to play cisgender roles and that's my way of saying fuck you to the system doing it to us all along right 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 it's kind of interesting when you Mm -hmm. mentioned um disclosure because one of the actresses that i had been watching for years sandra caldwell i had no idea that was a transgender Mm -hmm. woman like for years like since like I want to say she's mm-hmm. been out since like the eighties. Like I've seen her all kinds of stuff and just really enjoyed her. And I was just, just one of those actresses that those character actresses that you see, you get comfortable like, Oh, okay. And like literally watching disclosure, I was like, Oh my God, there were so many people because the times they lived in couldn't say anything that would have been such a huge difference. But of course, just like with anything, you know, <clears throat> timing is everything. It kind of reminds me of recently when uh, Eddie Van Halen passed away. And, oh, people didn't, yeah. and, and then people didn't realize he was half Indonesian. Mm-hmm. And then it was like mm-hmm. all my Filipino friends and everybody that was like, man, how we know back in the 80s that he was half Asian and doing his thing and rock and rolling and successful. How it's that like, would have like they hit it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would have changed so many lives. But because so many people had to hide so much stuff and not say anything because of certain privileges they got. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was just really sad for me when I was watching Disclosure. It's like, damn, how many talented people just you know you just they never got that opportunity because they had to hide and then those who were able to be themselves and and just not know but looking back on it realizing i understand the reasons why they did that because mm-hmm. they couldn't like literally they would lose their lives like people are losing their lives right now in 2020 you know for simple things like living their truth and maybe just simply walking down the street and holding hands mm-hmm. and looking at a beautiful mm-hmm. view like that will get you killed you know, and it's like, and I, and I think, Case, I'm just going to be be like you from now on. It's like, no, from jump, <laughs> from jump, you know, on site. Like, and if it's not happening, I'm just going to make noise and just say, no, I'm not, I'm not supporting it. I'm not giving coins to it. I'm not supporting people who support that type of stuff because it's always in Hollywood. It's always the next time. Well, you know, we'll do this now, but next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next time, and then next time never comes. Yep. It never comes. Yeah, it never comes. That's for sure. So we're we're going. Uh, we've been going for over an hour now, which is totally fine. I uh, just want to make sure you guys are all okay on time. Can wow, we, that was quick. Go I'm good. Longer? Yeah. I'm I'm good. Good. I want to go longer. So yeah. like I want, like I want you guys. I want you all to like start talking about things that you, you know, the project that you're working on, so people know mm-hmm. that. You're out here and you have content and what are some of the things that you want to write and see written and, you know, maybe address some things to writers, you know, cisgender writers and just your time to say, look, bitch, (laughs) 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 I want you to know this because so many spaces don't give opportunities for people to talk and be honest and not Mm. sugarcoat shit. Well, I mean, straight up on this topic, I'm going to say I'm with Case where, like, come correct or don't come at all. Mm-hmm. And also there's this element for me of, because I'm a nerd, I'm going to give you my nerd answer, which is <laughs> when the way you represent things in media will start teaching people not just how to watch your show, but how to watch the world around them. Mm. And for me, that 
issue is when you cast, you know, cisgender actors for transgender roles, you're teaching your audience what I like to call like gender phrenology. You know, you're 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 well, you're, you're, you're you're teaching them one when you that here's what a trans person looks like, and and they know in their mind, well, outside of this role, this person's you know actually a man or they're actually a woman, and so they're thinking, well, then someone's just playing this role, and then this is what like they actually are. Mm. But then also mm. when you get on that especially then when you get into other representations of trans people in media where there's this big emphasis on like trying to visually show their trans rather than say right. they're trans. Right. You, you, you start having it be where it's like, oh, well, they, they, maybe they have like big hands or maybe like a square jaw or something so people can know, oh my gosh, there's reverb? Oh, dang. <laughs> I should have pressed it. Just keep going, girl. Yeah. It's okay. Let's- but what you're doing is you're teaching your audience how to how to spot the to, to be a bit hard use a bit harsh language so this gets in people's minds. You're teaching them how to spot the tranny. You're teaching them like, oh, I need to keep on the lookout for these things so I can know, so I can place them. And all that really does is, for example, for trans women, you're gonna hurt cisgender women in your life. You know, you have these you have these TERFs, trans exclusionary radical feminists, right. who are always trying to be on the lookout for trans women because they view us as men trying to invade female spaces like bathrooms. Right. But then when you see them in the news, every time without fail, they're only going after other cisgender women because they're doing that gender phrenology. They're thinking the hands or the jaw or the shoulders is enough when there's so many different body types in this world that you can't use that as a jumping off point. Mm. And that's where a lot of times these stories, I'm like, dude, just say they're trans. Just say they're (laughs) non-binary, you know? Because in some ways, our identity isn't, and we need to really impress on the people, it is not always a visual thing. Mm. It's an internal reality that has to be expressed. And maybe it's worth analyzing for some of the writers listening, why you're not letting a trans person speak and express mm. that reality because you just want to see them and place them mm. as opposed to letting them have that agency and give voice. And so I'm just like, you know, just say they're trans. Same where I'm like, a character's bi, say they're bi. None of this, I, li- I like both, you know? Like, just say they're bi, man. Just use the word. Mm-hmm. We yeah. know the word exists. Just- We're yeah. all adults here. Mm-hmm. And it's only by just using the words can we start having discussions? And that's so important. Mm-hmm. Because like JC was saying, it's like, you know, you want to have representation that builds bridges to us a, a better world. And I think that only really happens when we just, we just nut up when we start talking about the hard shit. Right. And don't try to bury it in too much metaphor when it's like, you don't need to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. 
I really appreciate you making that point because I've definitely like walked into audition spaces wondering like, do I look non-binary enough? You know, <laughs> because like my whole thing is like, I some days I do present like more cis, some days I present more femme. Like mm-hmm. literally, I go into my closet every morning, I try on what I want to wear, and I have a gender reveal party to myself, and mm-hmm. like that's just like my thing. So, <laughs> so like it's 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 like interesting too to like be like okay so what does non-binary look like and like I, I what's the question here it's like who am i doing it for you know like mm-hmm. what does it mean to you am i being performative or am i just being true to myself right. like what? right well because well because i mean I, I'm, it's complicated because on one hand i'm trying to get a job mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and so like i want them to i want them to see like what they want to see i guess um but also like i uh, I guess what it means to me to be non-binary is just like literally to just like not have to have a label, like to not exist in a box, right. you know, to just like allow myself to be the whole spectrum, like at all times, like regardless of how I look, you know, it's very uh, internal and um, it's not just like in existing in a ma- binary of like masculine and feminine energy. It's just like who I am. I don't have like a, a certain way to define it. And I feel like all these terms are like to adhere to like, be tolerated by white supremacy, you know? Right, right. Because <laughs> well, there's a need to place you. Like, there's a need yeah. to identify you for my comfort. Like, if you're too way out here, it's just making me uncomfortable. So I need to place you in some some type of thing that yeah, makes would, me safe, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that maybe um, you you thinking about the, the straight cis. <laughs> I was picturing them going, oh, he just, they just want the, the cake and the ice cream. They just want to be able to do whatever they want to do. You know, what do you say to that person? I know Wait. you don't give a fuck, but I'm generalizing. Wait, I don't, I don't understand the question. So, you, so some people would say, oh, well, they just want the cake and the ice cream. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do and, and, and be whatever they want to be instead of picking a side, so to speak. What do you, what do you say to those folks? I'll say, yeah, that's right. I don't want to pick a side. <laughs> like, like, why? Like, me picking a side is just not, uh, is not authentic to who I am. So, <laughs> like, let me have my cake, ice cream, and throw some peanut butter on top of that, okay? And some glitter. <laughs> See, another thing is, if someone's saying, "Well, why do you want to have it all?" Sometimes I'm like, my guy. You can too. Like nothing's stopping you, except maybe other people. Oh my god, who are, might be dangerous. You know, yeah, do things for your safety, but Man. Em- embrace it. Like I'm on TikTok a lot. You know, it's it's my little treat to myself. Sometimes I'm procrastinating. I'll be on TikTok. Look at you. Look at some stuff, and there is this gender euphoria, which we do not talk enough about as a concept, which is that elation of just getting to live as you are and live your truth mm-hmm. that I'm seeing a lot of straight cisgender men are having because they're getting, they're seeing other men wear skirts or makeups or makeup or heels. And none of their, none of their masculinity is threatened by that for them. And these other men on this app who are showing each other like, Hey man, I'm, I'm rocking these like goth platform boots and this leather skirt, crop top makeup, fishnet, and I'm gonna do some kickflips on the skateboard on the half pipe. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's this thing where the, the I almost want to get to some writers 
so we can get into more media is to embrace this idea of like someone being trans or non-binary is their internal experience for their own gender because gender on some part is an internal phenomenon that can be looked at but then there is that element of the external display that's for that person Mm -hmm. but that display only seems like a gendered thing because we make it a gendered thing right Mm -hmm. you can do what you want like crop tops man Back in the day, <laughs> you got men all up in the park rocking oh, their crop tops. Johnny oh Depp, God. Nightmare on Elm Yes. And yes. now, do you see a lot of women wearing crop tops? Yeah. But, dude, if you, why be mad at the trans person, non binary person wearing the crop top if, re- if really you also want to wear the crop top? Mm-hmm. Just embrace <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because I was looking at. Um, Every year, you know, I always look at old Prince videos when he was coming out and and Mm. when he first came out, like, in the 70s. And it was like, that was like, well, of course, my heroes are always those people who are liminal outsiders anyway. So I always embrace, I've always embraced anything that was, like, away from cis-hetero whatever. Because it just felt like it was so binding. It was like, anyone who's doing anything different and fabulous and being themselves, that's the space I wanted to be in. And I I was commenting, and I I posted on on, uh, on Trouble Post I was doing, and it was basically, it was uh, an old Prince video uptown with him and Andre Simone. <laughs> and this is the day when Prince was like wearing like the, the black jock strap, yeah, wearing the thigh high boots with the kitten <laughs> heels and just the trench coat, had the permed eyeliner. And how at that time, a lot of people might have saw that as punk or might have seen that as something. And I always felt like, no, that's, that Negro was wearing that because that's him and that's his <laughs> thing <laughs> and it's not performative. <laughs> That's, that's what it is, and people are just going to have to deal. And so there were little inklings of people that um, may have had certain lifestyles and things that could have been like, we could have had everything so much sooner, I always feel like. But because Prince was a performer, that mm-hmm. was acceptable because it was seen as being theatrical. But had Prince been doing that as Prince who works down at the Subway Sandwich Shop, <laughs> then people would have had a fucking problem about it. You know what I mean? And it's no, kind of mm-hmm. like... You know, and it's like we seem to be accepting of it when it's a performative or for mm-hmm. entertainment or it's something like, oh, it's the gay pride or queer pride parade. And let's go go. And we, we have that a lot in San Diego and Hillcrest where you have looking. Not because they're really supportive. They just want to come and gawk and like laugh and point and be like, oh, my God, they're so wild and crazy. Let's hang out and, and then mm-hmm. go back to being assholes to them any other mm-hmm. time of the year. But I just feel like if like you were saying, Shamari, like. If people just allowed them, like, had I known what non-binary was, I think my life would have been a lot different in terms of my personal thing. Because there were things I liked as a kid that I always felt like, because I used to always get that, we use this term when we don't know the correct words, we use terms that are outdated. But at that time, since we didn't know what non-binary was, we use it. Like, for example, I was always called a tomboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you never hear the word Tom girl for the reverse, you know, or you hear things like, oh, like my step, my, my stepdad was always like, well, this is my daughter and he never had any son. So his thing was always, oh, well, you know, I always treated my daughters like my boys I never had. So he raised us in a certain way where it was very considered and just using the word because that's the term we had at the time, mm-hmm. you know, as very masculine. And just very, you know, like he ran a mechanic shop. So we worked, we worked on cars. Like we worked in the garage. We rode our bicycles. We had our skateboards. We did stuff that would be considered masculine stuff. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I had another cousin, but we never called him a Tom girl because 
my cousin did not want to do those things. He liked playing mm-hmm. with his Barbie dolls. He liked designing Barbie clothes and sewing them and drawing and making like, he could have worked for Vogue, but mm-hmm. he got beat down for that. And like, you can't do that. But it was like, for me, it was like, well, why can't he be a quote unquote Tom girl? If I'm a tomboy and it's right. accepting for me, for you to say things like, oh, I didn't have any sons. What if, what if somebody said, I, you know what? I never had any daughters. You know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to let him be his thing or let them be whatever. And I felt like just me personally, I kind of felt those tensions in between where there were some days, like, honestly, I felt like wanting to be girly or some days I wanted to be boy or, or, or mm-hmm. for me personally, I wanted to be kind of both mm-hmm. where it wasn't sexual in terms, but more like displaying what I wanted to be without having judgment. Like I would always get picked on like, you need to wear more dresses. You need to go shave your legs. I remember being like in seventh grade and like going to the gym. And I didn't know this because I was just living my life freely. And I remember Joy Gilliam had a song about this where she learned also. And I thought, oh, my God, it's my sister in truth. Because it wasn't until seventh grade when I had other girls come up to me and tell me, you know, you need to shave your legs. I didn't know. (laughs) You know, I was being myself. But they were wanting to put these gender things that girls are supposed to do. Like, you have mm-hmm. to shave your armpits. You have to shave your legs. And then I remember I shaved my legs. And this is where I messed up. And I didn't know because they were trying to make me conform. Like, and please don't laugh at me, y'all. Because, listen, <laughs> I was just living my life. I didn't know that when you shaved your legs that... You shave past the kneecaps, like you have to shave. (laughs) (laughs) Because no one said legs and thighs in the back. No one said that. They just said legs. So when these girls, they were like, they must have been like ninth, tenth grade. I went to a school that was like seventh through twelfth grade, Mm -hmm. and then finally, you know, and I was cool. They liked me, and I was doing my thing, and I was in like the gifted program. So I only saw other black and Latino people when I went to the gym because they had me in these white classes by myself, and it was just like that was a whole nother box. But it was like my freedom was being around other people who looked like me. Like, oh my god, at last I can relax. And of course, me being anxiety prone, when you have these older girls who you think are so pretty and you have these girl crushes and, you know, I might have been bi at the time. I didn't know. I just thought they were so amazing. I'm just, and then to have them come out and I remember her, Brenda. Oh my God. She was so gorgeous. <laughs> and that was during the time people, when we had like the flip, when you got the press and curl and you did the little flip do, like oh, the Farrah Fawcett mm-hmm. thing. The Farrah, yes. And I remember watching in the mirror, putting their eyeliner. And of course they were like, and a couple of them were like black and Latina. So they were doing like the extra with the cat eye and like the back in the days and the cholos were doing like the lips with the oh my god i just thought they were everything the and they finally came out yes and i remember being i remember they came over and said you have to shave your leg and then i remember i did it like i remember i i convinced my mom like go get me these razors i'm gonna do it. and i remember being so proud i mean i had some fucking like cut marks all up like i had tissue paper all <laughs> it was a bloodletting y'all but then i remember they came back up to me and they were like sweetheart you have to like when we say shave, you got to shave like above and do this. <laughs> and, and you got to use soap, bitch. <laughs> and you got to like, yeah, yeah, you got to do. And I remember being so mortified and so embarrassed that I stopped playing with the girls. Like I just hung out with the guys and just kind of wore my little sweatpants and just like kind of caved in a little bit and really had a hard time knowing what it meant to be feminine because I felt like I felt so unfeminine that maybe that was not my space. And had I known that there were terms like non-binary or that you can have a gender expression or you can just fucking be you. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna have hairy legs and I'm gonna do this, bitch, that's how it is. Like I had a friend that like, years ago said, I didn't want to tell you, but you know, you have really hairy arms and that you <laughs> and I'm like, but everyone has hair. I'm not understanding this idea of trying to make people so in terms of, you know, when I started going to Wisconsin years ago and started to encounter mm-hmm. people who were non-binary, encountering a lot more people who were trans, having friends who were considered male at one point, and then I see them the following year, and they transition to become a woman, and vice versa, and then those who have become, like, non-binary gender, and then having to remind me with their gender, pro- and me just being that safe space to learn, and to be accepting, I was like, I remember just feeling so mad, why couldn't this be, and of course I'm that way anyway, but like, all kinds of shit, mm. that's just my anxiety-prone ADHD mind anyway, but it's like, I feel like we're at the cusp of a new and I don't want to call it a cultural trend. It's just a new, I'm going to use the word loosely, transition culturally for our society for the things, JC, that you mentioned before. These people have been here since the beginning of time. The problem has been they've been so suppressed and killed and shut down for so long that for a lot of people who are very against it, it feels like this is an overwhelming uh overcoming of, you know, it's like Attila the mm-hmm. Hun, like, oh my God, the savages are coming and they're ruining everything. It's like, no, it has always existed. It's just now we've come to a certain point in time where people feel maybe a little bit safer and supported to, to live the way they want to live. And we're also at a point now where we're a lot braver to be able to not be pushed back. You know what I mean? Where, no, nah, we're going to call you on your shit. Mm-hmm. Publicly. And if I need to drag you and, and talk shit about you and take a stand and die on a hill, people are willing to do that now. So it's exciting. But at the same time, I, you know, like we talked about on the other episode here, when we were mm-hmm. talking about these new initiatives and how Chris had mentioned, like, okay, we'll see what happens in 18 months, two years. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. people who want to say, oh, yes, we want trans writers. We want non-binary writers. We want gender fluid writers to be in the room. OK, I don't believe it until it's, it's done. For sure. You know? And if, if we're not creating those spaces, then it's just performative. And I just really get uncomfortable and kind of pissed when you're just doing stuff because it's trendy. You know, mm-hmm. and Kate, Case, um, from your end case, in terms of I know you had mentioned earlier you know, and I think this is so important, and I think it's so important that people who are listening to this support writers, like you said, Case, on site, I'm, we're not accepting anything less than. Mm-hmm. And how are all of you, what are your support systems for that? Because I know all of you are saying that, you know, like myself, you come from backgrounds where, no, you didn't, you weren't lucky to have that generational experience of having a Hollywood relative who've been in the business for years. You guys, you all are just the first, like many of us. And being the first is a pain in the ass um, <laughs> because you don't have mentors. You don't really have those people that have made the path because guess what, bitch, y'all making the path. Right. So what are your support systems or how are you, finding when it gets rough finding the power to keep going and and wanting to do what you do without just giving up like so many people have for sure and you all can take a turn you're on mute (laughs) yeah honestly I'm not sure that I can I don't know how to answer that I just keep going I don't have a formula 
mm-hmm. that I say that I can share with someone and say, well, when I'm having a rough day or a rough time, I do this, and then I call this person, mm-hmm. and then I meditate. I just keep going. <laughs> you're, a, you're, a you're a fighter, Taze. You're a fighter, though. Yeah, thank you, baby. Definitely. Definitely. You have to be a fighter. And, I mean, things about me that are potential, the, the things that um, keep me going. I am a fighter. I, I, I'm very confident in my abilities. I know what I'm capable of. I believe in myself to know it. Mm-hmm. Maybe those are the things that keep me going. Mm-hmm. But I don't have like a, a set of things that are go-to, like when I'm struggling, I go to these things to help me keep going. But I'm only speaking from my experience. Uh, there's potentially someone else who has a different take on that and has those four things that they go to every time they encounter an obstacle that, that helps them continue that path. But there are a lot of things, I tell people there are a lot of things that I cannot teach. I have a lot of um, LGBT youth, especially, um, a lot of Latinx people um, that look up to me. Um, and I tell them all the time, look, I can teach you how to become a better writer. I can provide you with tools that are going to help you become a better director. Mm-hmm. There are certain things I cannot teach you. I cannot teach you passion. Mm-hmm. I cannot teach you commitment. Mm-hmm. I cannot teach you hard work. Mm-hmm. I get up early in the morning, and first thing, I'm an active early morning person. So when I get up, I'm not in my bed rolling. I get up and I'm on my computer, I'm reading, I'm writing. Like, if you don't have it within you, I agree. No, those are things that no one can teach you. Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, those are some, some things you have to have within. And when you have those things within, it's kind of hard to explain. That was game. Thank what about you, you JC? Um, I'm in a similar page where I feel like I've really had to become my own support system throughout this process in in a way where like my gender discovery and like just becoming more aligned and more authentic to myself like every day like making that a goal has made it possible for me to realize like oh I do have a space here I do have a voice that's worth contributing to the industry and like to tell stories so I mean it's a constant struggle of like learning how to love yourself but you know it's like real because you gotta like truly look in that mirror and be like I deserve to fucking be here mm-hmm. um and so, you know, that's first and foremost. And granted, like, I do do my meditations. I do have my flower essences. I do the, <laughs> all those things. Um, I, I'm a tarot reader also, so I do all that. Um, but, um, I mean, I luckily, I would say, like, a lot of my peers who are at my level, like, we're all, like, emerging actors and writers. Like, I have a lot of cis allies and accomplices that, like, do want to learn and, like, do want to like be on the same page as as like things continue to change and as uh, as new information is like evolving they want to they want they genuinely care about that stuff so i i luckily like and somehow curating these people into my life where i can reach out like you're you have this casting experience like i have to have this casting thing i need to ask you about um you know or yeah so stuff like that i think it's like community and finding that here is like hard to do but i i think i don't know i think the more 
honest and truthful you are to yourself, like that's kind of the people you're going to start attracting into your life. Like, I know I'm not going to be everyone's flavor uh, anymore. And before that would like kill me, but I'm just like, well, that's fine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) sorry, you're missing out on all this cake and ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let me ask you a quick question, JC. Are you, one of the things I love about Case, and I don't mean to always be gushing over Case, but that's my girl. I'm just proud of her is um, she makes projects and puts herself in them if she wants to. You know what I mean? What are you yeah. doing for you? Are you doing that too, JC, where you're well, getting your friends together and writing things and starring in them and whatnot? What are you doing? Yeah, so that's actually, in a way, how I ended up back into writing. I used to write a lot more, but then I wanted to do more performance. So I came back into writing because I was like, I don't want to wait much longer for there to be the perfect role made for me. Like I'm going to start writing my own stuff and like getting my stories out there. And, you know, I, I'm an older brother to a special needs person. I want to get disability stories out there. I want to get uh, non-binary stories, Latinx stories, like immigrant stories, all these stories out there. Like this is all stuff that I like have the knowledge and like ability to tell yeah. and like share information for uh, of. So, um, so yeah, I would say like that's that's definitely where I'm at. Like, okay. um, and yeah, I think that's part of like <laughs> I, I did want to ask you on like a pitching stuff too. Like, I have all these projects that I'm gonna I want to be in. So like, with somebody like me who's just getting like their co-star credits in and stuff like that, like, can I be like, you can make this movie, but I'm gonna play this character? <laughs> like, is that? <laughs> it's it's a little difficult, but that's yeah. why. Like like I said, Case Case is really good about putting herself in her projects, either lead or supporting role to show, you know, that they could so sometimes you just have to do a proof of concept of the project mm. to show it we like five minutes long or something, <clears throat> just to get a sense of um okay. Just to get a sense that you have um the ability. You know, because mm-hmm. just doing a co-starring role and you got five lines or, you know, two pages of dialogue doesn't show me you can lead a movie. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's why, like, Case did that, that last one I saw, that beautiful project you did. Um, um, forgive me for not remembering what, what it was called. The but it showed me. Which one? The one that I'm in? Yeah. Familia. Yeah, Familia. Familia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Familia. It showed that she could carry something. You know what I mean? Even though it was, it was about 10, 15 minutes longer or something, mm-hmm. it wasn't very long, but it showed that she could probably handle a movie. So you need to do something that gives me. Um, I always tell people, shoot something within your resources, too. Like, yours mainly took place in that house, which I thought was really smart, but she utilized the rooms really well and shot it, and so it felt really, um, it felt it felt visual. You yeah. know, I think that's the key, too, you know what I mean? So, and y'all need to be talking, you know, y'all need to be working on each other's projects, it sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm game. Mm-hmm. I, I just wrote something for myself to act. And the, the, the thing that I'll, and thank you very much, mm-hmm. I did thank you privately, but I want to thank you publicly now because you donated to my project. Indeed. And I, I don't do that show. anymore, by the way. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> oh my God, I put over 30 grand in like five years to people's projects. I was like, wait a minute. My, 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 um, my accountant was like, Hillary, you can't do this anymore. You're just doing yeah. too much. Everyone's okay. going to be DMing you their Venmo. No, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to be mad. They're going to be like, I ain't listening to your show no more. <laughs> but that's my girl, so I donated to her. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for making that exception. I didn't know that you were already on that, um, that you had already reached. I ain't told my um, husband that, you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wrote something um, for myself to play the lead in. Okay. And... 
I took myself out of the role because oh, really? it was but there's a reason why right okay. like it's I, I wrote it I'm directing it and I was going to play the lead in this thing but then I'm sure all of you know Carmen Carrera yes there was a, there was an opportunity for Carmen Carrera to play the lead mm-hmm. she's looking to get into acting she is a hell of an actor yeah. like a lot of us people are doubting her Right. Like, well, you, they, they're considering her to be like, well, you are like a reality television person. You're yeah. not really an act. Because mm-hmm. they're always looking for excuses to say no to you. Right. 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 And so she understands like, wow, now I'm in a position where like I need to do something. And so I have my film and this other person who knows her well um, said, well, listen, you know, maybe consider. And I, w- I had like, I didn't hesitate. I'm like, wow, if, it, if Carmen, yeah, I'll get out of the way for Carmen because... Mm-hmm. It's my way of helping another transgender person. Yep. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm not stupid. Like having Carmen on my show <laughs> yeah. is going to bring out more visibility <laughs> to yeah. it. But this is a yeah. transgender um, person. Right. I didn't get out of the way for a cisgender person. Right. Mm-hmm. I got out of the way for another trans, for one of my transgender sisters. Yeah. That's yeah. different. And I told myself, like, I'm not losing anything because at the end of the day, I'm still the writer director. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. but I, I was ready to play the lead in another film. Okay. There you go. Cool. See, JC? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think you could do something smaller. Like, you can find. Mm-hmm. This is where I was going is, I always tell everybody is, um, there's a couple things you want to do. Is so say, say, say you wrote your pilot, your movie, your whatever it is that you have that you want to star in. I would take a couple of those scenes, the ones that really show that you can act, the ones that show that you could do, like whatever the things you think that, that, that they're not going to believe you to do. Like mm. find those scenes that you have the resources to shoot to. You know, mm-hmm. try to keep it mm-hmm. as contained as possible. That's one of the smart things I think you did, mm-hmm. Case. You kept it contained in that house. I think you guys had a couple shots outside, but it was like outside the house, if I recall. <clears throat> and so, but that's how you utilize, utilize the resources you know you can get. If you mm-hmm. have a friend, if you have a, if there's a store scene and you have a friend who manages a store, try to shoot there at three o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? It's like little, yeah. use the resources you know you can get. The problem is, is people try to shoot things they can't get. They yeah. write. They write these extremity things that they can never even afford to get. As opposed, I, I call to, that. I call that like people who write Star Wars that takes place in Boyle Heights. Like, yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Star Wars and Boyle Heights. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it though. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No. Well, wait a minute. If, if, yes. If you have the money, somebody yes. should be writing Star Wars. Absolutely. That takes place. Yeah. But if when you're oh, trying, yes. like us, you mm-hmm. know. Don't yeah. write yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I mean, I would say one of my blocks, and, and you know, I tend to idealize things, not in terms of like I'm gonna make a big budget Star Wars and Boyle Heights, but like if I'm if this is not gonna change the world or like maybe help someone think differently or get like help someone gain something out of this, I don't want to do this project, you know. And yeah, that's gonna hinder you. It's gonna yeah. you to an extent. Sometimes you just want to have fun. You know what I mean? True. That's why some yeah. horror movies that, Pip, that that Lisa and I love are just sometimes you just want to scream. <laughs> you know, sometimes Word. you just want to hold your head up. And so you gotta you gotta have two different versions of yourself, or or more than one version of yourself. You have the version that shoots movies that that you want to star in, that you're serious about, that you have something to say. You have mm-hmm. some crazy, silly little, little comedy thing that you did for fun with your friends. Yeah. There's no. You yeah. don't always have to be political about everything. 
Right. I mean, but I would say even just being a non-binary person of color, it'll be political inherently, I would say. Too, okay. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just walking down the street, I'm That's, political. A dangly yeah. earring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was what about you, Shamari? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying when, when Kaysen mentioned that, the, the Star Wars of Boyle High, it just reminded me of Attack the Block, because essentially that's pretty much what Attack the Block was, you, you know? know? It <laughs> Basically, it was her and stuff was coming out of space, and like, uh, I was so there, like, give me some mm-hmm. of that. Go ahead, Shamari. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, as far as support systems go, right, right now, I got my, my two main things. One is from that one initiative I went through, two of my the people I was matched with were also emerging folks in their careers. So one person's over assisting at a big production company, another one's moving through the ranks at Amazon Studios. Nice. And I will chat with them and sometimes, you know, we're chatting game, we're chatting our plans for what how we're gonna take over Hollywood, you know. Right. But then other times, you just got a bitch. Like you just gotta be mad. <laughs> you, have, mm-hmm. you have to have that person who you know you can just be mad with right. and that both of you will be like but none of that leaves this room, right? Like, no, no one, no one's gonna know that, right? Right. And having that um, valve is so important because otherwise, it just holds inside of you, and that rage will, mm-hmm. it will burn up all of your energy. It will burn up your passion, and it will just kill whatever you got going. Yes. And so you have to let it out somehow in a way that's you know, like safe, responsible, professional, and all that. But the other thing that kind of fuels me is. That passion of sometimes I just got to watch something ridiculous, mm-hmm. like something out there, because I'm reminding myself that I'm in this. So, yes, you know, do have big political goals, but I'm in this to really and to tell stories because that's all I'm really good for. I I did not get my degree in history or being a coroner or being a lawyer. I could have done that, but that's not what I did. And I don't got the cash to go back to school right now. So (laughs) if I'm going to do this, I always want to come back for myself of like, am I going to have fun in what I'm doing? And I'll prove to be rewarding. And right now, all of the career I got going is all because I just went, I think this would be fun to write. I think this would be fun to do. Like, I you weren't, written on, you weren't trying. You weren't right. trying. You were just doing it. Yeah. Right. I, I had, there's an effortlessness of, well, I say effortlessness. When I was in the trenches writing those pages, it wasn't effortless. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm feeling with my pilot right now. But <laughs> when I wrote from a place of just joy and passion and wanting to spread that out to people, that for me emboldened me and kept me going when times were hard like my partner knows i'll always complain sometimes before i write because i love to edit oh i love a good edit set me down some pages in the pen i'll be there for hours mm-hmm. but knocking out those pages initially it's hard for me and i just know that know that most, myself. most writers have that problem by the way yeah. just so you know okay good i'm in good company then. Yes. and so it's like i'll i would sometimes have trouble writing i get down on myself and then my partner would often just be like, hey, what's your what's your thing about again? And I would tell them and I would just start hyping myself up by it, mm-hmm. not even purpose, because I was like, this thing is so fun. It'll be cool. And it'll be this and it'll be that. And they're like, and so what do you got to do to get there? And I'm like, <laughs> damn, you, you're too smart. <laughs> and then <laughs> that gets me back to the desk sometimes, you know, because when you're in the trenches, you lose sight of why you're doing it. 
Yeah. And it's sometimes good to have that. And the final thing for me is sort of, it's getting into a mentality of competitiveness, not like a rush or a race. Because when I graduated, I was ready to do my like five, ten years before I got a manager mm-hmm. or would be writing on a video game, let alone some international project or whatever. And I just was telling myself, my journey is my journey. I respect my journey because I'm learning what I need to be learning in this moment. And then that's what's important. And so while my journey has been going faster than expected, I'm constantly trying to not get an ego about, yeah, I'm so good. That's why it's going so fast. But just like, no, you're in the right place. You have the right skills. That's what's happening. You're ready. But you're still on this journey of learning and eternal growth. And by accepting that, you can accept your flaws. You can accept when things aren't going to be easy because there's no stopping unless you choose to stop, sit down, and lay down the bundle. Here's something I want to tell you, Shamari, and for everybody listening also. Think about this. Like, when you tell your story about, you know, the, the, the what, was, what was all the degrees you were starting to study and you didn't finish? What were they again? Oh, I did animation, sequential art, okay. had a dalliance with fashion. I almost went and became a Near Eastern histor- Near East historian. But it was something with a botany, oh like wasn't it? It was something with. Oh a- yeah, okay. almost became a coroner. Okay, 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 okay. One of the things that Lisa and I do <laughs> now, as somebody who has his own production company, I'm getting pitched all the time. Now I'm listening to something that's gonna grab me. That grabbed me. Just so you know. <laughs> The fact that, and maybe it's because I'm deep into, I'm doing this Emma Till limited series right now. And so I'm deep into the death and, you know, how his mother decided she was going to show the body. So I'm fascinated by all of this mm-hmm. stuff right here. Mm-hmm. So you never know what part of you is going to make a producer lean in. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm telling you, as you go out and have meetings, don't be afraid to bring up these parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to separate you from being the average black girl. Okay, mm-hmm. they're not going to expect you to have done that. Right, right, right. So I always tell everybody, lean into the thing people you, you that when you were 15, you didn't want everybody to know. Now you tell everybody. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. That's the thing everybody wants to hear. You don't know that when you're younger. You get mm-hmm. to be 50, you get to be my age, I, now I know. Now right. I know. I'm so glad that now I have my angle on how to sell myself. Mm. So don't be like I don't want people to know I'm trans. I don't want people to know I'm, no lean on that shit. Whatever oh, every the, day. Whatever the thing right. is, I'm just generalizing. Mm-hmm. I'm using that yeah. using that as an example. Whatever the thing is that you don't want people to know is a thing you should tell them mm-hmm. in this industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Do you think that helps um, spread like the amount of work and type of work you can do? Because I feel like um, as trans non-binary pe- per- like people, like I don't want to just be kitty cornered into only writing trans non-binary comedy or whatever like i want to also have a stab at other stories that like i can relate to but because of this side of myself like does that give you that opportunity or are we always going to be in this box no the box is the box is whatever you create that's the cool thing about being a writer you can reinvent yourself like my gender (laughs) but as a writer you can you can reinvent yourself in any way if you if you're somebody who just loves to write you know uh, smaller stories i'm generalizing of you know non-binary characters in brooklyn but you have this desire to do the star wars film that's been burning you that nobody's done yet i say write that movie (laughs) you know what i mean because i'm gonna see tip we all are more than one sides to each other 
Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is why you're a non-binary person, because you're more than one side to, to another. Ch- so I say, right. Sure, you're going to see some case. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm, I have to um, jump off. Okay, soon. no problem. But I, but I, I will say, um, to your point, is most of the time when, when you start off as a writer, you write what you know. Yeah. And, and, and when you write what you know, and sometimes a lot, a lot of that is a small world. Like you write a story about when you were growing up and your mom struggling, whatever the case may be for you, right? Um, as you grow as a writer, like I now what I call stretching my writing muscles. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing um, things that I never written before i'm writing in a genre that is a bigger world so the challenge well, challenging yourself yeah because i've never written this i've always written the story like you said like um transgender from the bronx new york you know the struggles mm-hmm. of a transgender woman mm-hmm. you know coming from a, a hood or a ghetto mm-hmm. i'm writing real stories like that because that's what i know very well right now living in la and being exposed to television and I'm, I'm starting to think outside of that box mm-hmm. and I'm going to write in a genre that is huge. I love it. Um, and I'm actually going to go back to school for that one because mm-hmm. I, I'm a writer and, and all of that, but like I can, I feel like I can find a little bit of support. I'm going to be taking a class that is going to mm-hmm. help me um, bring this idea that I have to the outline. Okay. And this has nothing to do with being transgender. However, I have to write to that too. So what am I doing? One of the characters is going to be trans. Right. In this world where you probably have like, you're following five, six, seven people. Mm-hmm. One of them is trans and it has nothing to do with, with the, has she had the surgery? Right, right, the right, right, no. right, right, right. right. Does she still have it? Right, 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 right. right. We're not going there. It's just a a transgender person. It's just a person living their life. And Mm -hmm. struggling with the same things that other human beings struggle. Mm -hmm. That's where we keep it. I'm thinking of it too, Case, in terms of what you bring, even though it's a world you're saying that you're not familiar with, but think of the gifts that you bring to that world that that world Mm -hmm. has not seen and probably needs because of you. And what you're bringing to that story. So, mm-hmm. hey, Case, before you go, can you tell everybody um, what your handles are? Your twi- if you're on Twitter or Instagram, mm-hmm. and 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 please promote your movie and where they can donate. Right. Uh, well, I am not as good as you are with the whole social media. <laughs> um, I I I know I'm aware that I have to get better at that. I'm only on Instagram right now, sure. and it's my name, my first and last name, Case Pena. Um, my movie right now that I'm working on is called Trans Los Angeles. It's an anthology of four short films. One of those short films I was going to play the lead in, as I shared before, in Carmen Carrera. Now is um, pride, I'm proud to say that Carmen Carrera is playing the lead in that. Nice. Um, each of the stories is roughly 20 minutes long. Sure. And um, we did have an Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. It's come to an end. Okay. It came to an end a few days ago. If someone is able to donate, they can donate now through my Venmo, which is Trans Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and we're hoping to shoot if, because it's, a, it's an independent film. You know, a lot of times with independent movies, people don't have the money all at once. Nope. And so you mm-hmm. have to shoot the movie a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. And in me writing these four short stories, 
I made it very easy for myself. This was by design because instead of shooting, if this was one movie that's 90 minutes long and you shoot 20 minutes and then three months later you shoot, you get money to shoot another 20 right. minutes, that can be problematic because you know, you have people, you know, lose weight, gain weight, they dye their hair, they cut their hair, they move to another state, they broke up with their boyfriend, that they don't want to be in the movie industry no more. You lose your crew. Right. Yeah, you lose your crew. And so, like, the first 20 minutes don't look like the second 20 minutes. And, they, like, it, there's, like... So, I'm shooting four short films that I then going to present to you as a feature film. Mm-hmm. And so, what we're doing is, if I have to shoot one of the segments and let's say we go three months to raise money to shoot the second segment i don't have that problem of continuity if somebody right, cut their right, hair dyed their right. hair or like had to grow a beard because now they got higher on a big hollywood movie they can't do my movie anymore mm-hmm. it's a five six day commitment per film sure. and that's that's i set it up that way because i i was expecting not to have the money to shoot my movie all at once because mm-hmm. God forbid Logistics. someone yes. Yes. Yep. supported me, right? God forbid if someone supported me. One thing I have to do say before I leave is that this is a very problematic thing. I tell people this all the time. Like there is still to be a feature film about a transgender woman of color mm-hmm. that is written and directed by a transgender woman of color. Mm-hmm. So all of these films yeah. that the industry has celebrated, which I do not celebrate, about transgender women of color mm-hmm. have been written and directed by people who are not transgender and not of color either. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that is that our history is being written by another group. Right. So imagine yeah. white people writing the history of black people. Yeah. That's the same thing. There's no yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if and if a film festival right now has mm-hmm. a panel, like, oh, look, let's um, screen these five films about transgender women of color. Let's invite the directors mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. on this panel. You're going to have five people who are not transgender mm-hmm. and not of color mm-hmm. talking. Like, how is that right? Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And right. people still having a problem, like, understanding that when I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that people support me. Hollywood is not supporting me, so I have to go to people like you mm-hmm. and bother my friend like you that you don't donate to movies anymore <laughs> <laughs> to get this film. It's not that I don't want to. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a joke. Yeah. But yeah. I'm having to rely, unfortunately, because a company should be supporting me, especially since we are yet to hear from someone like me. Mm-hmm. But I'm having to rely and on... And direct your photo, so they should mm-hmm. be... Have- for sure. Right, right. Thank you. Yeah. I, the work right. is there to prove it. And yeah, so I'm having to rely on people that look like me and asking them directly for money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I'm being forced into this corner. No one wants to make a film this way. But I have no other, I have mm-hmm. no other choice at the moment. I'm sure. Well, thank you, Case. We appreciate it. Yes, Case. Thank you. Um, what about so, you, JC? Why don't you tell us where you are and uh, where people can find you? Yeah. Thank you, Case, for that. That was so beautifully said, all of that. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, y'all need to follow each other, too. So. Oh, I, pers- I, oh, already, yeah, wrote, I, I already wrote down the... <laughs> I'm writing some notes down this whole time. Um, so, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, at JCZPD. 
And I also run and facilitate, host, curate uh, for a group that I started called uh, with some folks called the Anti-Racist Movie Club, where um, we uh, right now it's all virtual. Um, so we're doing virtual screenings of like films around different uh, topics like uh, last month. This last month in October was horror, so we showed like films that were like we could talk about anti-racist topics around horror, and then we host virtual discussions after we watch the movie, sort of like a book club, but for movies. And yeah, we definitely want to get some more emerging talent and some more uh, newer work on um, our thing too. So you can find that at at anti-racist movie club also. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. What about you, Shamari? I'm mainly on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at MXOberon. You need capital M, capital O. Spell Oberon like it is in Shakespeare, baby. And <laughs> that's where I'm at currently. I just got a lot of, pr- I just doing a lot of things behind the scenes. Not a lot that's uh, going to be very visible for a hot minute. But I am working on a game that I would love to have people play at some point because I, I'm gonna be real. I love I love the team I'm with. The per, the creative director of the game is a non-binary person. Sure. We have another non-binary person who's another writer on it. There's me. There's lots of people of color. So it's just like it's a good it's good energy, good team, and I think we're making some good work. Nice. I love it. Mm-hmm. Where are you at, Lisa? Lisa Cult Jam. I'm about to run to the border, y'all, and get out of here before this election goes down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, if, and, if, and if it don't go the way I won't, guess what? Y'all gonna have to have, we have to do this little Skype thing while I'm down in Mexico. Like, look, I ain't coming back. <laughs> but no, I'm 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 on Twitter at What Fresh Hell Is This? And yeah, I think so. And I think IG, it's What Fresh Hell Is This, Lisa? But basically, What Fresh Hell Is This? And you know it's me because it's the Black Mermaid icon. So, yeah. And can I just say, um, I, w- I would love now um, if we can have JC and Case and Shamari come back again sure. for the discussion because I would love to see within a year where we are in terms of film, what everyone, mm-hmm. is, what everyone is doing, and, and just see, you know, like we discussed with the other writers from two weeks ago, um, that whole 18 months to, you know, Two years, like where is Hollywood, and did they put their money where their mouth is, or is it the same old same old? And and just really get into you know what changes we need to do, and and, and maybe we just need to start a gang and just start um, roaming <laughs> the streets, Let's get out these streets, and just you know start handling mm-hmm. business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I just really quick, I, I want to. I I yeah, I totally would love that. I mean, I just want to mention uh, something that I, I heard a lot when I first got to L.A. and I was looking for representation. And I the note that I got a lot from different agents was like, well, yeah, we'll give you a try. We get, but we just don't know. Hollywood works in trends. Like, we, your, your thing might be trendy. So, like, we're just going to see, give it a year and, like, mm-hmm. see if it's uh, still around next year, you know? And it's yeah. like, people really be treating my identity like it's like this, like a trend like no like some high-waisted jeans exactly <laughs> okay. yeah that's, look, that's and then a they sign come back and it's like oh you're still there okay well uh-huh. <laughs> that's a sign that's a yeah. sign that that's not the person for you right you want your representation yeah. to be mm-hmm. behind you committed to you because this is a long journey mm-hmm. right so, right that's right mm-hmm. and i am your host hilliard guest you guys can find me on twitter at hilliard guest yes i say twitter like i'm cool <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, also Instagram Hilliard Guest you can follow the show 
Screenwriters RR on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you guys listen to. We're everywhere. Um, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, again, just want to say big, big shout-out to you guys. I, to you young, <laughs> beautiful folks out there. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it. Canceled. Emerging talents. It's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. because it's. We understand what you're saying. You're not yeah. Exactly. It's not coming from anything else. No, um, no it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're good, baby. Um, but I appreciate having each and every one of your beautiful faces on here with myself and Lisa. I wish Chris could have been here to get some game, too. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll listen to this. Um, and uh, we also have our uh, screenwritersrr.com um, website where you guys can buy merch and T-shirts and mugs and all that other stuff we have out there. Um, again, I wish – can one of y'all say – <laughs> oh, <ew. laughs> I did theater for a while, but I was never like in the, the, the singing. No, nah, no, nah, I was dancing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm fucking with y'all. Um, so <laughs> everybody join with us for Wakanda forever. Yes, and I got my Wakanda book came in. Oh, my Wakanda ooh. files. So it has the, the Kamoyo bees that light up with the UV light, so I can see the secret messages that Shuri has written. <laughs> so it came in yesterday. So I'm just gonna like nerd out on my way to Mexico and be like, "Oh my God, it's Wakanda forever." So I'm sorry, I just had a nerd moment. I got my little beanie baby T'Challa right here. Too, yes, you know, we got we yes. this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you, every one of you. Everybody, please follow JC and Case and Shamari out there and Lisa. Um, we appreciate you guys. You guys know how we're doing on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. Yeah. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? Everybody. Well, what kind of forever. Peace, y'all. Ciao. All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to bowl a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the rent room.